Hello, everyone. Welcome to From Ha-Has to Ahas with Sybil Wilkes and Stephen Hill. Stephen Hill is not with us today, but uh, he is with us in spirit. And I am so honored to have two esteemed gentlemen high, held in high esteem and as we celebrate and observe Men's Health Month. And this is of particular interest to us because of our partnership with the American Heart Association. And we thank them for the opportunities uh, to extend our program of check in and check up for your health. And um, there's nothing better for me than to spend time with two good looking smart men. So uh, let's let's get started, shall we? Uh, our friend Cliff Albright is uh, the co-founder of uh, the incredible organization Black Voters Matter. If you have heard me talk about anything uh, as we talk about the upcoming elections, the past elections, uh, and going out on the road and having a, an incredible time, thanks to Cliff Albright and Latasha Brown. Uh, Cliff is uh, one half of the dynamic duo that brought this organization to be, and Cliff Albright is uh, a man of, of great intellect, but he also is one of great passion, and you spend any time with him, you understand uh, that he is just an incredible human being. So, Cliff Albright, we thank you for joining us today. How you doing? I'm doing great now that I'm sitting here with you. <laughs> oh, go on with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> also joining us today is Dr. Scott Metcalf. If that name sounds familiar to you, if you are a uh, television watcher, of, uh, especially of reality TV, he is not only a man of medicine, he is married to medicine, and we see him on that TV show. Uh, he is the lucky husband of Dr. Contessa Metcalf, and I had the opportunity to meet Dr. Scott uh, a few years ago when he and his wife were on the Tom Jordan Fantastic Voyage. And they are just such wonderful people, so delightful. And Dr. Contessa has been helping us as we have been efforting to get our check-in and check-up for your health program up and running. And uh, so first of all, thanks to your lovely wife for making this connection with us, Dr. Scott. And thank you so much for joining us. All right. Thank you, Sybil. Thank you for having me. Um, Dr. Scott, I want to talk to you, but we're going to talk about uh, Cliff's situation uh, directly, but I do want to talk to you uh, just in generalities, because we always talk about the fact that how health affects, uh, health conditions affect black people, especially, but black men, uh, more so than women in a number of areas, including heart disease and, uh, as well as certain forms of cancer, obviously. Um, and, and, um, prostate cancer and things like that. But overall, how is the state of health for black men in particular today? Well, unfortunately, well, unfortunately, Sybil, we know that we still deal with health care disparities when it uh, mm -hmm. deals with black men. And those health care disparities, um, they result from a, a lot of times just late detection. Um, they result from late onset of presentation, they, they result from lack of having a primary care physician and many of our African-American males continue to use the emergency room as their primary uh, care, which right. is, you know, usually the emergency room is supposed to be your last result. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and we still have, we still have uh, what, one out of six males between, I believe they said 25 and 30 are still uninsured or underinsured. So that affects our ability just to access health care in so many ways. And and doctor, does it start from from childhood uh and and, and extends and, and actually the, the doctor's visits that we may have to get uh for our inoculations and things like that, uh we because in order to get into to school. Uh, but I've heard men say that once they reach the age of 18, they promised they weren't good or, or they had one very uh, invasive procedure done. They promised themselves they weren't going to go back to the doctor again until absolutely necessary. Is it is it a, a historical thing over the our, our personal history that we as as women watch our men not go to the doctor? Yeah, a lot of times it's due to mistrust, but more times than not, I believe it's due to misinformation. Mm -hmm. And we do, you know, we we do share a ton of misinformation, and uh, which can lead to the further mistrust. And we saw that with with COVID nineteen, mm -hmm. uh, the pandemic, when we had uh, a rumor going around saying that you know this this vaccine is going to kill black people. Don't 
you know, don't get don't don't get vaccinated, which kind of led to a lot of untimely deaths. And especially when we found out the main uh, risk factor for COVID-19 was restrictive lung disease and mm-hmm. obesity, you know, and chronic lung and chronic disease that was not taken care of. But uh, but people who were diabetic, who were had good control of their diabetes, they were fine. People with heart disease, uh, they they were at increased risk. People with a, a underlying lung condition, of course, COVID nineteen affecting the lungs, they're at a, uh, you know a, a increased risk. But people who were obese and sed- sedentary lifestyle, they pretty much had the highest risk factor out of all people when it comes to being uh, succumbing to COVID. You and Dr. Contessa have a, a, a family practice and um, you, uh, I just lost my notes of what you call it, but it's integrative, functional integrative medicine. What does that mean? Yes, it's basically a, a, a way of um, exploring the body as a whole. So just being trained in, in general medicine, family medicine, and uh, my wife in preventative medicine, functional and integrative medicine, we look at the body system as a whole. You know, we look at you know, the root of underlying diseases and it's more preventative medicine, Mm -hmm. but it goes more into looking at why you have this condition. So do you have any genetic markers that predispose you to a condition? Uh, Do you have, you know, if, if, even we, we go as far as looking into your diet, testing your blood levels for arsenic for people who eat a, a large amount of rice. Uh, you wouldn't think mm. that arsenic would be a problem, but arsenic is in our soil and arsenic is in our rice. So someone may come in with chronic fatigue syndrome and you do some blood work on them and you say, well, you have a lot of heavy metals in your blood that can be removed with diet, medication and supplementation. And so it's, it's more preventative medicine, uh, looking at the body as a whole and 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 educating people about diet and healthy diet because we know that food is medicine and yeah. what you choose to put in your body is either going to fuel you or, you know, or, or, or defuel you. So it's either whatever you put in your body is either going to do you well or do you bad. Did you come up in a, in a medical background, in a medical family growing up in Michigan? You know, so I'm the youngest of 10 kids and uh, I am the only physician in my family, uh, uh, I did find out because my father passed when I was five years old mm-hmm. that my father was actually a medic in World War II. Oh, wow. So my father had me at a very late age, uh-huh. uh, but he was a medic in World War II. And, but besides that, uh, I think um, just his early, you know, untimely death, my father died when I was five. He died to a preventable illness. He died of colon cancer, mm. uh, which was metastatic. And, and, um, and, so I think that probably had a lot to steer me towards medicine. Wow. That's right. You know, uh, I talk uh, and because I'm always interested in how people got to where they are. And, um, and, and one of the things that we found is, as we mentioned before, is that men and, and black men as a rule, don't go to the doctor, don't, you know, have a, a good relationship, working relationship with a doctor over there. And I asked that of Cliff in, in, in talking about this, this interview and, and what his medical history was. Um, Cliff Albright, as I mentioned, is the co-founder of Black Voters Matter and has become a dear friend and colleague for those of us with the What You Need to Know newsletter and its Sybil streaming show. Um, but and, and Cliff always appeared to be so healthy and active and, and, and just imagine the surprise, the shock and the concern for those of us who did not know to come upon a, 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 an article in which Cliff shared with News One um, in the My Brother's Keeper column, Black communities need to speak more openly about their health. And Cliff spoke very openly about his health. And Cliff, it was it was uh, disturbing. It was scary for me. I can't imagine what it was for you. Can you tell people what you are 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 living with? Yeah, thanks, Sybil. So, yeah, in the in the midst of um, 2021, in the summer, early fall of 2021, in the midst of the the, the battle that we had for, for voting rights, that I know you're very familiar with a whole summer and fall of of doing protests and getting arrested. Yeah, right. um, but but in the midst of that, I actually found some time to go to the doctor. Um, 
and just a routine physical. I, I'm actually somebody who believed in, in at, at least getting the annual physical done. Um, and it had been a little bit of a minute, you know, during COVID because, you know, I wasn't really comfortable, you know, doing certain things, you know, going to the gym or going to the barbershop or going to the doctor's office. But, you know, when we reached a point where I felt like, okay, I could, I could go see the doctor now and get my physical, what they noticed was um, in my, my regular blood test that my white blood count was elevated. Um, and uh, it had actually been happening for, for several years, but hadn't really been flagged. Long story short, um, what it turned out to be was a form of leukemia, a chronic form of leukemia. So not the acute kind that, that could be highly problematic and, and aggressive, but um, what's called CLL, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, um, meaning not only to have a high, high white blood count, but also um, lymphocytes being high. And, and that can ultimately cause a problem because they can crowd out your regular red red blood cells. So um, so that's a chronic condition. I'm blessed that they caught it very early. Um, I don't have any symptoms of it. Um, some people have it for years and years and years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, and never never show symptoms. You know, there's a saying within the CLL community that, you know, we're going to die with CLL, not because of CLL. Mm. Um, but Is there still, a treatment you know, for a, it? Um, there, there are treatments that you can, you can get once you, you know, start to show certain symptoms and, mm, and you get okay. to various, um, um, you know, various levels of your white blood count and, and some other symptoms that they look for. But I'm not at that stage. I'm actually what they call stage zero and it's watching awesome. weight. Um, um, which for somebody like me, you know, an activist who's used to mm -hmm. like, okay, there's a problem. Let's correct it. Right. You know, <laughs> watching weight is like, what are you talking about? Like, what am that's, I waiting for? That's so um, opposite of what you're all about. Being right, proactive. Right, yeah. Right. So, but it, it, it has actually turned out to be a blessing for a couple of reasons. Um, one is it actually jolted me into taking action on, on a process that both my wife and I had already started. We had already said that we were going to recommit ourselves to, to self-care and getting in physical shape and doing more running and bike riding. We actually had been watching the Olympics um, in the midst of, of, of 20 and um, not 20, but 21 and, and got the idea, oh, watching the, tri the triathlon. We were like, oh, I think we could do that. <laughs> and so, you know, had, had actually started the process, but the CLL diagnosis really, you know, made us really have to double down on that. But it was a blessing for a far more important reason. Um, mm -hmm. so, well, I'm, I'm, I'm one of few people who had the, um, the, the, the distinguished in a way of in one year being diagnosed, not just with one form of cancer, but with two. The CLL diagnosis led to some scans, you know, so that they can determine what stage I was in. Um, and all of it was good news. You know, lymph nodes had not been expanded. Spleen was fine, all of that. But the doctor noticed, that, you know, something very small on my pancreas. And he said, it's probably nothing, but, you know, let's go on and get a, a scope done and a biopsy done just to be sure. Well, it turned out to be cancerous. It's, it's what's called a neuroendocrine tumor of the pancreas, um, which... You know, pancreatic cancer, uh, a lot of times there's no symptoms until when you see symptoms, you're already at stage four. Mm -hmm. You know, John Lewis passed, yeah. as many people know, very fairly quickly from diagnosis to passing, because by the time that he had been diagnosed, it was it was stage four. And that's that's a common thing. Right. Um, which which raises a, a policy question that we can get to a little bit later on. But I'm blessed because just literally by accident because of another diagnosis, they were able to discover it. And again, um, stage one, a very you know, indolent um, tumor, it's not aggressive. It's the, it's the form of pancreatic cancer. 93% of pancreatic can be very aggressive, but mm -hmm. a neuroendocrine tumor like what I have is in the 7% of pancreatic that is, is, is far less aggressive. And I'm at stage one and there are different ways that they characterize it that I won't bore people right. with, but in all the ways that they characterize it, mine is a, a fairly slow moving um, um, tumor. Just as an example, it was one and a half centimeters when I was diagnosed eight months ago and a few weeks ago I had another scan and it's still one and a half centimeters. So, you know, just to give an idea, you know, um, so I'm, I've got two forms of cancer, mm -hmm. both of which are watching weight at this mm -hmm. moment and not mm -hmm. receiving treatment. And so again, speaking of integrative health, you know, 
the only thing I can really do at this point, um, and, 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 you know, it's, it's a challenge because some people say anytime you have a, a tumor in your pancreas, if it's, if you can just go on and cut it out, right. Do the surgery. Um, um, and that's, that's a whole discussion in itself. We've had to do a lot of research and talk to a lot of different doctors. We've talked to like three different surgeons and, and, and three or four other doctors that specialize in the pancreas. Um, and so just this phase of like having to do the research of really mm-hmm. getting a grip on what it is that you have, what the characteristics are, um, how, how fast is it, is it, is it growing? Like this stage of doing all this research and, and all this early assessment can be a challenge, you know, but, sure. but in a far better position of knowing and knowing early and being able to do all this, then again, if I was in a different kind of situation, getting diagnosed where it was already stage three or, or stage four, which could be uh, very challenging. Dr. Scott Metcalf, is that, uh, I mean, if you are in that position, as Cliff says, it, it being having discovered it early enough uh, that you can make some, some real decisions and, 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 the kind of watch and wait situation that Cliff is in. If you are in that situation, that's probably the best. I ask with a question mark. That that always is the best. And and, and Cliff, the, uh, you know, the when we think of CLL, uh, chronic lymphocytic leukemia, one of our one of our most common board exam questions is a 65 year old white male comes to you with an elevated white blood cell count and everything else is completely normal. What do you do? And we say, watch and wait, this is CLL. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's typically what it does. And, 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 just and when the if the white count goes up a little too high, like Cliff was saying, and the yeah. scent starts crowding out the other blood cells, mm-hmm. we treat them. The initial treatment is with hydroxyurea, which is uh, a, a, a very it's not uh, toxic. It's a medication that we give to a lot of sickle cell patients to kind of to keep their blood from becoming so thick. So it it that 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 is one of the most like you said one of the most common and treatable and uh, conditions that we watch, and then. Uh, Cliff, the the other one is just a blessing, right? Mm-hmm. To find out if you have anything on your pancreas, and and to to learn that it's in the seventh percentile of the non-invasive, non-malignant uh, tumors, and I'm sure you get a lot of blood drawn every three months uh, mm-hmm. to to monitor it. But that's typically what we do for for that for the uh, for that condition. We, mo- we we monitor your blood, we monitor your calcium, we monitor your your believe it not like your epinephrine and your hormones that your adrenal gland makes. So it's it's a pretty uh you know uh, you know you never say cancer is, is you know is is a blessing but the, the two that you have you know it, it's it's good to hear that 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 they're ones that we watch and wait. You'd rather have watch and wait than emergency surgery and you know uh, chemotherapeutic uh, preventive medicine measures. So definitely. Um, the one thing that uh, Cliff and I talked about uh, before as well, Dr. Metcalf, is that um, he was he was as he said, you know, going in to to check in with the doctor during the pandemic, and and what a lot of people had had pushed back from, obviously. Um, but Cliff was one of those guys who was was very healthy and had a healthy lifestyle, um, and and uh, so. Contrary to what we believe or we're told, uh, as a black man, he was very proactive about his health. How can we get others to to get to that point um, as a man who's as a young man like Cliff and, and, and even those younger than him to start having that regular relationship with a medical professional that they trust and 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 have them just, you know, keep up this great, healthy lifestyle and relationship with their with their physicians i think that just takes a lot of education you know and 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 fortunately uh with our number of african-american physicians uh, i can say fortunately and unfortunately because Mm -hmm. in in 1917 we made up four percent of the physicians uh and what we made up what 11 percent of the population and now we're 19 percent of the population is it and but we're still four percent of African-American physicians. Mm. So representation needs to increase. So uh, we need to increase our, our, our representation in the medical field because you will go to someone that you trust, someone that looks like you. It's just, it's just natural and it's normal. And I I think the way that we as African-American physicians, uh, I consider myself really down to earth that we can explain it to, 
you know, we can explain conditions to our to our patients. Like Cliff, when I have someone come in for uh, for their their annual labs, I break down the CBC with differential. So I break down that 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 their blood, your labs that come on three sheets of paper. We probably have a good 25 minute discussion on that. So I tell them, I say the white blood cells fight infection. You know, if white blood cells are elevated, this could be a sign of infection. This could be a sign of leukemia. You know, but then I go further and say, well, all these next 11, these lymphocytes and these eosinophils, these are different types of white blood cells. This one can tell you whether or not you have allergies. This can tell me if you have a parasitic infection. This can tell me if you, you know, so there are so many things that the that the CBC breaks down that we as physicians, we can't just look at it and say, oh, your white count slightly elevated. So, you know, we'll check it again next year. Now we need to, we need to evaluate it right now. Or your hemoglobin is a little bit low. Now, if somebody's anemic, there's something that's eating up their blood. So we need to find out what's going on. And so that uh, I think sets apart, you know, well, I mean, we do it in family medicine, but that's something that we kind of just kind of gravitate to in functional medicine is that we're going to break down these labs and I'm going to, you know, we're going to, if, if something's a little bit off, we're going to find out why it's a little bit off. We're going to repeat it first to make sure it's not a lab error. And then we're going to go in depth of seeing, okay, what is it? And is this just a, is this, is this normal variant? Is this normal for you? But it, it takes more than just looking at something and saying, okay, I'll see you next year. Now, a lot of things that catch black men is when they they when just say over 40, over 45, when we go get our PSA, uh, prostate specific antigen checked every year, uh, normal is less than is normal is zero to four point five. So just say, but if someone has a level of one, one year, and then they come back next year, and that level is one point one point eight, that is more indicative of cancer because any increase in the number of 0.7 per year for your PSA is more indicative of cancer. So a lot of males come to me and say, well, how can I have cancer when my PSA is only two? And I say, well, your PSA was less than 0.5 last year. So it tripled. So, mm. you know, so, so that early detection is the key, of course, in, in all medical modalities that we, that we want to, you know, uh, look at when we're treating our patients and everybody is an individual. So we can't group everybody into one category. You know, we can't say all black males are at increased risk of hypertension, and diabetes and all those other things. I mean, we know there's a familial component, but we know a lot of it is diet and exercise and what we put in our body. Let me just say here, we are uh, having a wonderful discussion with two great guys. Uh, I'm Sybil Wilkes, and this is our, our podcast is from Ha-Has to Ahas with Stephen Hill and Sybil Wilkes. Um, the black male of this group of, of our, our, our duo is not here, but I am uh, here talking about our partnership with the American Heart Association as we check in and check up, and especially on a Men's Health Month. And uh, Cliff, I just want to talk about your health journey, um, because I did did ask you about um, your your regular uh, health activities. Were you seeing a doctor regularly and things like that? And what you discovered it, was this a genetic uh, situation with you? Yeah, you know that's a that's a great question. Um, and, the, and the truth is, I'm really not sure because uh, you know my family history, my family medical history. I don't have full information on, you know, and that's for a combination of, of reasons. You know, part of it is, is, um, you know, just talking to, you know, parents, you know, and finding out about their medical histories or, or finding out about what they know about their grandparents, you know, but, but part of it is having just a, a family history that is kind of complicated. Right. And so mm -hmm. sometimes, um, you know, I, in fact, it, it was in this process that I learned that the, the the grandfather or the father that my mother grew up with, um, who I never knew because he he had died, um, you know, when before I was born. But I found out that because uh, I was talking to my sister and she says, "Yeah, something, something." But then she says, um, "Yeah, but I don't know about the biological dad." And I was like, "Biological? Like there's like there's two? And so you know, so <laughs> so just so so some, so in this process, I've learned something just about my family tree. Not to mention about the the medical history involved in that. So you got those two issues of like one, just knowing the family family history period, but then knowing the family medical history mm -hmm. can sometimes be challenging. I knew that my mother passed away of, of, of breast cancer, um, but that was the only history of, of cancer that I was aware of 
in my family. Um, I'm in the process now of getting some genetic genetic testing done because when I told my 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 two oldest sons, um, haven't actually told my youngest son who's, mm-hmm. who's in middle school, but when I told my two oldest sons who are college age, um, both of them it was funny because their both of them their first reactions was. So what does this mean for me? Like, right. <laughs> am I, right. you know, am I going to to get this? And I was like, well, okay, well, one, thanks for the concern about me. <laughs> but you know, but it's a legit question, right? Sure. Like that, that people want to know: is this genetic? Is this something that I've got to be concerned about? And so we're in the process, or I'm in the process of getting some genetic testing done, and it'll then determine, you know, whether or not um, they have to get certain certain testing done, but. You know, but part of the lesson in all of this is that we have got to ask those hard questions within our within our families of really knowing. You know, I've I've, I've had situations in my family where my parents had were getting certain procedures done that I didn't know anything about. Mm-hmm. You know, um, and then years later, it just comes up in conversation. Uh, so, um, you know, but we've got to we've got to one we've got to be willing to share that information, right? To not have our family members have to play 20 questions, but, you know, but we also have to be willing to ask, you know, those questions. Like when we ask, how are you doing? Um, like when you greeted me, like, you know, we're, we're used to just saying, oh yeah, I'm fine, whatever. But to really being able to go and ask that extra, that extra question, really, how are you doing? Or have mm-hmm. you been to the doctor? Or can we go to the Dr. Killer, there's a whole conversation that we have got to have in our community. And, and that's been one of the blessings of being public about this. Cause the more, every time I share my health situation and my diagnosis mm-hmm. without fail, somebody that I'm in conversation with says, oh my God, I, you know, I had it too. Somebody in my family had it. I learned when I shared it with my staff and we've got about 40 people on our staff at Black Voters Matter. And when I shared it in our staff meeting, two of our staff members revealed that they had cancer at, mm. at the points in their life that we didn't know anything about. And so them sharing that was a, was a blessing to, to me, but it was also a blessing to them because in some ways it was like they were kind of revealing this, this secret that they had been holding on to. And, and kind know? of lifting some of the weight off of their shoulders in, in effect. Exactly. Exactly. So we've got to have conversations in our families, in our friends, in our networks, um, and just talk honestly about this so that we can, one, uh, deal with early diagnosis, make sure that we're going to the doctors, making sure that we're getting tested and making sure we're giving each other advice. Like like yeah. um, what Dr. Metcalf was saying, you know, if you don't have a doctor who's like Dr. Metcalf, who's going to explain all this stuff and give you uh, proactively the information that you need to take control of your situation, guess what? You can still do that, right? Mm-hmm. You have got to be your own best advocate. And a lot of times, you know, we won't ask the extra question because we think, oh, we don't want to be a nuisance or or sometimes we just don't want to know the answer to it. Right. <laughs> right, right. But as, as somebody else who's been going through this, who's a, a spouse of somebody else who has pancreatic cancer told me, she said, you got to fight for yourself. You know, you 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 got to make sure that you ask every question. You got to make sure you get the right team of folks together who specialize in exactly what you have. You cannot be ashamed to fight for your life. And that's the mm-hmm. way that we all have to treat our health. But we can only get to that point and give that advice if we're in conversation with one another. Absolutely. Dr. Metcalf, uh, I don't know if you know, um, and, and Cliff, you you may remember as well listening to Tom Dorn Morning Show, but check in and check up for your health uh, is a result of take a loved one to the doctor. So we mm-hmm. are take a loved one to the doctor 2.0, thanks to Tom That's Joyner, right. and um, encouraging people not only to go to the doctor, but as Cliff said, have these discussions. Are you finding in family medicine, perhaps the discussions are, uh, are a little easier to have or that there are more discussions because you are in a family practice? Or is it just as difficult, no matter where you are, um, to get our folks to talk about these things and, and to be more open? Because it used to be when I was a little girl, it was like, we to talk about having the big C, you know, and, and things like that. But, but now maybe we are a little bit more open, but, but maybe we're not, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm misinformed by that. It's, it's still a big taboo in our community to discuss when you have a health condition. It, unfortunately it is. And uh, you still have people when they get a diagnosis, they will run and duck their head in sand. They'll, Mm. they'll be an ostrich. And uh, unfortunately that is still really big in our community. Uh, 
And it's like the five stages of dealing with anything. You right. know, you get yeah. that denial, you, you know, mm-hmm. you get that doubt, you get the denial. And and unfortunately, that is something that happens with with a lot of our community. We we still just and 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 the misinformation. I I I I really hate the misinformation part because I hate when someone decides that they want to go to an herbalist or someone. I, I you know I mean there's some good things that can come out of it, but when someone uh, if you're working them up and they just leave automatically and say oh I'm going to seek uh, alternative medicine, mm-hmm. you know, and, and I, I I say I, I incorporate everything, but don't just leave you know don't leave general medicine, don't leave the the, the doctor that made your diagnosis and and is putting the treatment plan together for you, you know, to go somewhere and you know take some sage mixed in water, uh, you know, but <laughs> I, I, I really I mean I'm I'm trying to put it nicely but you know but our our community we we still we still tend to you know and and it's okay not to not to that's what when cliff said he went to multiple doctors you went to multiple doctors so if you don't really understand your doctor you're not communicating well with them go get another one you know go get a second opinion go get a third opinion it's it's easy you you don't you your insurance has it set up where you have if you have hmo or ppo they have multiple doctors in your network you go there and you don't have a pleasant experience it's just like a restaurant you don't have to go back i tell that to a friend of mine who has gone through it as well and it just seems people are reluctant to do that but we're talking about the most important thing you have and that's your good health right? right right um can you also talk about it? Because Cliff has talked about this too, uh, in in referring to having advocates and having a team, uh, not only your doctor, your medical team, but your your personal uh, family and friends, and have them uh, be there for you at all times. Are you are you an advocate of that? Definitely a big advocate of it, because I mean, bl- believe it or not. Black women are still the number one advocates of bringing their 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 spouse and their children to to see to seek medical attention. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it's that's just I guess that's the nurturing, caring nature. So yes, definitely have an advocate because you need someone that's going to push you to come to the doctor. You need someone that's going to help you. Just say if you become ill, you need someone that's going to assist you. Someone that's going to make sure that you keep appointments. Someone that's going to do the organization for you. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. if if you become ill, uh, and someone that's going to do the follow up when they know that you pretty much probably won't do the follow up necessary. So definitely a health advocate, a gym partner. I I I, I like. The one of the most interesting and, and great things I saw was I had some young guys come to me for they were in their early 30s and they were heavy into lifting weights and they wanted their testosterone levels checked because mm-hmm. they heard that everybody, you know, that males start losing their testosterone, which makes them start losing their muscle mass, makes them start losing their energy. And so we had a great discussion about that. But we also had a great discussion about, OK, you're 30. This is what you need to do for this is where you need to be. This is what a you game need to be. Plan. Exactly. So we we put up a game plan. We said, okay, from ages 30 to 40, you're at increased risk for this. Okay. You're no longer at risk for this, you know, due to medicine, but we still check it. Uh, and I, I thought that was great that this guy from a gym just continued to bring his friends in. So he served uh-huh. as a health advocate, you know, and he said, Oh man, you know, like, you know, I mean, something simple is like I had chronic allergies and you know, this whatever you gave me is great now you know, I don't have, I don't suffer from it. You know, I, my wife says I don't snore at night. My wife says, mm-hmm. you know, I don't walk around sneezing. So, and, and just, it can be a simple intervention, like putting somebody on a little nasal steroid spray and some saline and, wow. and that can, that can actually make them a little bit happy. And they can, they, they'll go to their friends and say, well, you know, this is a doctor just, just, just uh, encouraged me to do this, do this. You know, he challenged me to lose five pounds on my own before I came in asking for some weight loss medicine, and just to, just to prove that I, you know, that I, I I'm serious. So, I, I think the young, I, I like that about the younger generation, the ones that are in the gym and working out, and you know, you know, I, I don't care if people say they're, you know, narcissistic or whatever body dysmorphism. I think that as long as they care about themselves and want to come to the doctor and make sure that they're the best them that they can be. Mm-hmm. That's what I, that's what I'm here for. 
Do you talk to them? Because uh, our partnership with the American Heart Association has has put a lot of attention, a lot of our focus on having a healthy heart. Do you talk to them about the importance of uh, heart disease and, and discovering this at an early age, if it's genetic, that kind of thing? Also, the other uh, diseases that are also connected to heart disease, but but mostly to talk about the importance of having a healthy heart. Yeah, I mean, we have to talk to them about heart disease because we got to remember what's the number one cause of death We're in number men one. and women, yeah, right? Yeah, <laughs> heart yeah. disease. So uh, it, you know, and so uh, a heart attack occurs every forty seconds. Mm. Mm-hmm. That's that's amazing. So that is, and so one out of every four deaths per year is due to heart disease or complications of heart disease. So we got to We so many billions of hospital dollars you know, and insurance dollars are poured into this industry uh, because of heart disease. We have to, we have to express it. Uh, I have to, I tell people all the time, you know, I say, you know, two people out of, two people out of, um, out of 10 under the age of 65 die from a heart attack. Hmm. So it's just not that you have to be old and die from a heart attack. So two out of 10 people that die at a heart attack per year are under 65. You know, at age 20 or older, they're already detecting heart disease. Yeah. You know, in it's, 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 what, it's 17% it. of the population. I think I read it was 17, 18% of the population at age 20. Yeah. So we know that that we know that that has a lot to do with not environment, but lifestyle and, and what we choose to put in our body. And uh, so, yeah, we, we have to, we have to, um, we have to address the, you know, the main killer in, 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 the, in the United States, for sure. And that's heart disease. And especially with this being, you know, Men's Health Awareness Month, males at a higher risk of dying from a heart attack. You know, we, we 10 years earlier get, need to become getting screened for heart disease uh, as opposed to women. And African-Americans, of course, you know, we, we, we're at increased risk as well. Absolutely. Um. Cliff, can you talk about your team and how you have assembled that, uh, including your lovely wife, April, and other people as, 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 as you are, you know, you're, you're in the fight for your life. Um, mm-hmm. Even though you are at that, you know, stage zero, it, mm-hmm. your health is of, of utmost importance. How have you put together your team and, and who do you include uh, to, with, with uh, your team members? Yeah, I'm a, I'm gonna talk about the team, and then I'm gonna circle back to the you know the point about the the heart, um, the heart health. But the you know in terms of you know there's different pieces of team, right? There's your your pure medical team, um, and and that's been a challenge in part because I have two different diagnoses, and so mm-hmm. you know that means I I have to have a specialist in in the CLL. I've got to have a specialist in in the neuroendocrine tumor, you know, I've got to have a, a, a surgical oncologist, you know, I've got a, a integrative health doctor on my team who, you know, as Dr. Metcalf said, you know, we talk about um, the, everything from, from diet to yoga to, um, you know, just other forms of, of, of therapy. Um, and um, so you got the medical team, then you've got to have the support group, you know, you got to have the, the, the admitted support group. I've got an incredible, you know, April, my wife, um, who has just been a rock throughout this entire process. Um, you know, I've got friends uh, who are in my circle. I do a prayer call every morning at 830 with, um, with, with some folks that includes other people that have been diagnosed with a d- different forms of cancer and then their support groups. And we get together and do a, do a prayer circle, you know, um, um, patient advocate, uh, you know, oftentimes it's, it's somebody that you need to have on your team. Um, so yeah, you just got to have these different pieces being in support groups, you know, which is actually, you know, it was originally a challenge, um, finding like, like black support groups on these particular forms, there are support groups out there. You know, a lot of times when we talk about, when you, if you, if you just Google, you know, black cancer support group, you know, you, you'll probably find some stuff on like, you know, black women and breast cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, not as likely to find like a black male prostate support group, right? Um, I'm not saying they don't exist, but I'm saying it's it's a little bit, you know, that you, you got to kind of look around. You for. really have to then, do your research on that one. Yeah, you you, you really got to do your research on that one and some other, you know, because a lot of times when we talk about the disproportionality, 
we talk about like a couple of different, we talk about black women, breast cancer, we'll talk about black men and prostate. But the reality is that, that we, our community, black folks are overrepresented in literally every form of cancer, exception of skin, you know, but outside of, outside of that, um, you know, we're overrepresented in, in all these forms. And so, um, and there's, and there's some benefits I'm, I'm, you know, I'm in some Facebook groups for, for these different, um, forms of cancer that I have that are just, you know, you like whoever's in it, like it's not black specific, but you know, sometimes there's a benefit to being, and there's, there's no shame in, 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 in seeking out a, a support group because we have some issues that other folks don't necessarily have to deal with. We have issues of access as Dr. Metcalf, you know, talked about sometimes the issue of culture, sometimes issues of, 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 of treatment, you know, um, um, you know, finding a doc, doctor or, or a facility, where you're not kind of looking around and wondering, you know, am I getting treated differently because of, like that's a real thing. Like it's almost like we need a uh, like the green book for travel. <laughs> you know, it's almost like we need a, like a green book for for medicine sometimes. Wow, you know, for yeah. real, you know. And yeah. so, um, um, so having a support group that really caters and 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 then that speaks to you know even issues of like like um um Dr. Metcalf was talking about like access and 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 diversity amongst. Um, medical staff and doctors, there's issues of diversity, like within, like within clinical trials, even right. Mm -hmm. um, who's right. included in trials has a, a very uh, uh, deep impact in terms of whether these drugs are are, are relevant for diverse populations, right? Or, or whether we even get the we are able to get the benefit of being in in right. a trial. Like that's a question Absolutely. Of, of access and policy. So there's a lot of things that, you know, as we're putting together our teams that yes, you know, cancer doesn't discriminate, right? But but the the the, the medical ecosystem or the social ecosystem in which these conditions are are based, um, you know, we still got the realities of being black in America. So you're trying to weigh all of this. Um, you know, one, what, what your medical status is, but that doesn't eliminate the fact that you're still, um, you know, black in America. And that's, that's something that we, you know, we got to be aware of. And again, that we've got to talk about um, within our community so that we're able to share, you know, what our experiences are and, and what our resources are. And, and then we got to be willing to look for that, that yeah. information um, and not be afraid of, of of you know being in the situation or being afraid of what we what we might find out if we if we share information or what what the repercussions might be you guys are very open and 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 uh to my questions and and sharing uh information as well as your stories um cliff i know you wanted to add something to dr metcalf about uh the healthy heart situation yeah i mean what you know what he was saying is so important um because at the end of the day there's a lot that the, the things that we need to do to have a healthy heart will help us with a variety of things. For example, you know, part of my journey right now is doing more, um, doing more running and, and swimming and, and biking. And that's helping my heart. Right. Um, which mm -hmm. is important. But, you know, it's also helping, you know, it's helping me to get more oxygen because, you know, cancer doesn't like oxygen. You know, in, in, in your body, and so anything you're doing where you're where you're increasing that oxygen is 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 a good thing. Um, um, you know, it 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 helps you to lose weight, uh, which again is 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 good for your heart health. Yeah. It's never a good thing for us to have a lot of extra weight in this in this torso area, right? right? And so, you know, anytime we're doing things to lose that weight. Um, and to have a healthy heart, that's helping on a variety of things. If and when, if I get to the point of, of, of needing surgery, um, one of the um, risk factors for the type of surgery that I would need to have for the pancreas is whether or not you're obese. You know, and, mm -hmm. and studies have shown that, you know, the, the more obese you are, the, 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 the more, um, you know, side effects uh, you can have mm -hmm. and, and post-op issues that you can have. And so this process of, you know, doing more exercise and losing this weight, it's helping my heart, but it's also helping my chances of dealing with this condition that, that I know I have. And so, you know, the things that we need to do to have a healthy heart can help us in a variety of ways. And none of this is to, you know, cause it's a fine line, you know, when you, when you start dealing with, and, and, and even our diets, right. You know, I've, I've moved mm -hmm. to being, to, to being on a plant-based diet, you know, which, which again has, has helped. It's, it's helping me to, to deal with the cancer diagnosis, but mm -hmm. guess what? My cholesterol has gone down mm -hmm. just in the past six or seven months that I've made that transition. And so, you know, the things that we need to do 
in reality to have a healthy heart or to fight cancer or things that we actually need to be doing just just, just on GP. And that's that's right. not to fat shame. That's not to be like, ooh, uh, uh, one of these ultra fitness people that you know, uh, you know, shame you because you're 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 not able to 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 pump whatever weight or or anything like that. It's it's not about the cosmetics of of doing these things and losing this weight. It really is about our health and, and just creating a healthier situation for ourselves. We're checking yeah, absolutely. in. Absolutely. I just want to uh, just remind people you're we're checking in and checking up on our health. And then we are observing uh, black men's health month, men's health awareness month, but as, as we're dealing with black men, because that's what I like to do. Um, but I also <laughs> want to um, talk uh, Doctor, about the you because you came on talking about this, um, and and our partnership with the American Heart Association has also uh, given us an, an insight into, as you mentioned, the health disparities. Cliff has talked about that. How can we fight this? What are there? Is there a plan book? Is there a guidebook? Or is there a step by step program that we can uh, follow in order to fight these health disparities? I, I think the main thing is going mm -hmm. to be increasing our access. Uh, that will be increasing the number of black doctors that we have. So like I said, like this, we, a black doctor can uh, treat a black patient. I mean, any doctor can treat a patient, but we know that we will be more attracted and more comfortable with an African-American physician if available. So we one, we need to educate more black doctors. We need to educate more good doctors we need to train them and and we need to increase the the multicultural changes and training that we they did they do implement that in medical school now they do have a lot of uh dealing with different races and 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 training of cultural differences in medicine which is a good thing so implementing change in medicine increasing awareness um and just education uh if we just have to continue to educate our people like we're doing right here on this podcast civil and saying that, you know, you need to be checked for this. Uh, and, uh, and just dispelling all the myths that may be associated that may be keeping some people from going to the doctor. You know, one of the biggest myths cliffs like cliff, you had a biopsy of your prostate, correct? That, that proved mm -hmm. that it was, that it was, I'm, I'm sorry of your prostate, but of your, of your pancreas, pancreas. Which, proves, which, mm -hmm. which would prove that it was a cancer. So, you know, we have that, that that saying in our people like oh as soon as they cut me the cancer spread all over my yep. body it's yeah. not true so we have so many myths that we need to dispel so you know with the healthcare disparities you know of course uh education of course access i mean pro you know building more and more more medical centers that of, of quality in 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 our communities that that will that will help increase you know decreasing the uninsured decreasing the underinsured which is mm. a high percentage of our population the underinsured is a high percentage of our population you know if you know and and unfortunately with you know that obamacare has been almost disintegrated uh, you have a lot of people who just don't have access who actually during that those years with President Obama, it was it was a great thing. It might have been not not have been the greatest thing for physicians and reimbursements, but we all probably <laughs> live a decent lifestyle either way. But uh, but I'm saying, but it, I think as a family medicine and a black male, it was one of the best things ever to see yeah. that a, a a black male who was underinsured could go get dental care. They could go mm -hmm. get medical care, you know. And so uh, those are some of the things that that you know that we need to close that gap between this healthcare, you know, this healthcare disparity gap. We need to close it. I want to do add on something that Cliff said when he sure. talked about uh, being an obese because obesity increases your risk of, of adverse effects with sedation and with mm. anesthesia. So that, that is very important. You know, like when you're doctor, when people, when we talk, that's why when people say, well, I can't a bariatric surgery patient, just go get the weight loss surgery and get it over with. No, we still, you still are at a high risk because you're a soul obese. Uh, and so, you know, just being obese increases that risk factor. And with national health care, now national health awareness month for males. Uh, and when we're talking about heart disease, we know that, uh, heart disease is, um, is, the increased risk it can be because of medical causes and more or less lifestyle causes. One of the medical causes for increased risk of heart disease is diabetes mm -hmm. and definitely uncontrolled diabetes. But then we got to think about the lifestyle modifications, like that too. hypertension, 
smoking, things that we can control, tobacco use, excessive alcohol use, physical inactivity, obesity, uh, and, and diabetes. So those are the main risk factors for heart disease. And we, we four out of five that I named are something that we control. Yeah. Cliff, you wanted to talk about the policy questions, too, and, and issues yeah. in, in regards to health care. Definitely, definitely. Well, first, I'll start off, you know, picking up with uh, something that Dr. Metcalf had in terms of, you know, increasing the, the black doctors. Part of that means as a matter of policy and budgets, increasing support for HBCUs. We've probably had more doctors, you know, come out of places like Howard and Meharry and Tennessee than, you know, you know, a, a whole bunch of the PWIs. Um, combined. Let's not forget Wayne State, shall we, doctor? That's right. That's right. Wayne Wayne State State. actually has a higher rate than some of the the, the black medical colleges because we have such a large class of like 270 doctors. That's That's right. So in other words, there are institutions, whether HBCUs or otherwise, there are institutions that have a proven track record of recruiting our students and retaining our students and and graduating um, quality students like Dr. Metcalf. And so support those institutions and get them some some funding. um, some other policy issues that we got to deal with, uh, you know, we got to deal obviously the health care and access. And yes, we need we need universal health care. Obamacare was a good step in that direction. But we've got to have universal health care to deal with this access issue. Um, thirdly, you know, again, a matter, as a matter of policy and budgets, even the research that is done on cancer, not enough of it deals with this disproportionality issue. When when President Biden announced um, the the moonshot a few months ago, right? Mm-hmm. Um, to 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 find a cure for cancer within the next number of of years. I went to the website for that, and I looked at the the research priorities. And I can't remember. I think it was like ten or eleven different priorities. Mm-hmm. But when you go through them and some of the sample research proposals, it was like maybe one or two that dealt explicitly with the issue of race. You know, and so you, we can't be serious about saying that we're trying to deal with cancer if we're not dealing with 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 one of the most known um, trends within cancer, which is the disproportionality by race. So, you know, how we deal with research in terms of the priorities and the budget, that's important. And then some other things, some other basic policies, just in terms of screenings. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's no there's no suggested, recommended, required screening for pancreatic cancer. How do you have something that you know is deadly because it's often and a silent killer? Yeah. And is a silent killer, but then not have a process that you now there there are things that can be done to screen for it, right? That that can let you know, oh, you know, even even before going to biopsy, you know, and, and Dr. Metcalf mentioned some of it, you know, you could check all uh, these various blood tests that can can look for markers that can let you know if you're at a higher risk or or where you may be, right? And then you might go to, you know, say, okay, we want to do a biopsy, but there there aren't any required screenings. Like you have for a colonoscopy, where now it's at age forty-five, but there aren't required screenings for um for for certain cancers like a pancreatic, and even a colonoscopy, um you know if you you know if you're if you're I was reading a story the other day about somebody who who died in like their thirties because they had a family history of colon mm-hmm. cancer. Black person had a family history of colon cancer and was concerned and wanted to get a screening, but the insurance wouldn't cover it. Because they weren't yet at, at 45. And they weren't the at that number. Like, right. They weren't at that magic number. But again, if you know that you've got disproportionality or or a family history, then as a matter of policy, we need to say, okay, certain people might need to be able to get these screenings at an earlier age. So you, you can't just use a cookie cutter approach when you know that you've got certain diseases that, um, that are rampant or, or at least more prevalent. In, in certain communities. And so as a matter of policy, just dealing with this disproportionality as a matter with in terms of screenings and what's covered by insurance, et cetera, um, that's a matter of policy that we've we've got to deal with. And 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 I agree with everything else that you know Dr. McCaff laid out in terms of like some of these policy and budget priorities. A lot of times it's simply a matter of the money and the budgets. You show me your budgets mm-hmm. and I'll show you your priorities and dealing with this this disproportionality, whether it's cancer or, or heart, um, heart conditions or, or other conditions has not been enough. Dealing with the racial dimensions of it has not been enough of a budget um, and policy priority. 
And let me wow. add to that real quick, Cliff, because that was, that was a very great point you just said. And when you're dealing with screening mm-hmm. and, and research, medicine is based on data. And so recommendations mm-hmm. of research and screening is based on data. So when we don't participate in those studies, mm-hmm. guess what happens? It, 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 we're going to have a negative outcome. Just be, yeah. remember, women 40 years old used to be the recommended age for breast cancer screening, right? Mm-hmm. Mammogram. Now it's 50 to 55 years of age and every two years. And mm. that's probably not the case with black women who have mm-hmm. a more aggressive and increased risk of, of breast cancer. But because of these studies and this data, the, the, the recommendation has now changed from 40 years to, 50, to 55 years of age. So and so and and it's already shown within the last two years that this has happened, the increased risk, the increased rates of breast cancer deaths have are, are starting to trend upward where they've been going down for years. Gentlemen, I, I've taken up enough of your time and I, I do know that Cliff has a, a sauna waiting for him. Uh, <laughs> and that is a part of a part of my question as we close out, because I do think that the connection between the mind and the body are very important and how we how we find uh, a, a levity in our lives. Uh, also have a clear and, and a conscious mind and, and how it contributes to our good health. So as we end this, I just want to know what and I know you both are great family men and, and things like that what do you guys do for fun what at the, at the end of the day you know and you're thinking man i gotta get out there and do what for fun dr metcalf oh right now i have kids that are eight 12 and 13 so <laughs> oh <Neff> said. <laughs> chil- no 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 but children activities run my life but but what's fun is that we're we're, we're we exercise together every day me and my kids <laughs> and uh we exercise to together every day we 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 make a movie night so i think more or less it's spending time with kids and family uh and i recently joined a fraternity cap oh, nice. and so uh so so getting with some of my frat brothers and, and networking has been has been great and I do a lot of things. I, I, I like to do a lot of writing, civil, and I don't want to do any spoilers for Married to Medicine, but I will be having, I'll, I actually, I'm going to, I'll step out of my comfort zone and I'm going to be releasing a song in the near future. So that's hey. awesome. Yeah. yeah. That's so awesome. I, you really yeah. are a renaissance man, aren't you? I'm trying. I'm trying. And I can't believe you didn't, you didn't pledge at Michigan State. You just, you waited till now because well, you didn't want to go through I, all of I was, I was studying. Oh, oh. I was studying. I was studying. So I, I had to be focused. I had to be focused. And, and, I hear you. and uh, my mindset was a little different back then, too. So I don't, I don't think I could have, you know. <laughs> I understand. I understand. Yeah, there we go. Uh, Cliff, and I got crazy I... brothers. I got five <laughs> crazy older brothers. So you it had wouldn't happen. Yeah. You had yeah. enough. Uh, Cliff, what about you? What are you doing for fun these days? Um, so, you know, I'm gonna give a couple of answers. You know, the, the exercise journey really has been or become something that's been fun. It started off more as a, as just a mandate, but, you know, I, I enjoy a good swim. Um, you know, I even enjoy running, you know, I, I, I listen to, sometimes I'll listen to music, but sometimes I'll listen to an audio book. Um, and, uh, you know, so I've, I've, grown to, to enjoy running, especially since I've gotten a better pair of running shoes. I have flat feet. <laughs> so running used to not be fun for me. And then I got the right pair of shoes and I'm like, hey, I can I can keep going for a while because my feet aren't killing me and my hips not hurting. That's so funny. um so yeah so that's and, and it's something that April and I, my wife and I um do together. Although she she enjoys morning workouts a little bit more than I do. <laughs> <laughs> but so that's that's part of what we do for fun. And then the other thing is, you know, I I love, uh, you know, I got certain TV shows, yeah, um, and, and movies that I love. I'm a big sci-fi person, so like, you know, anything that's sci-fi. Right now, I'm watching the the um, the man who fell to Earth, and I've just been oh. in love with it. Um, um, but anything Star Wars. Star Trek, anything with star in it, I'm a watch. Yeah. Um, and it's a it's a it's a good release for, for me. 
That is awesome. You guys are so wonderful. Um, this has been a really interesting event for me and having the the opportunity through check-in and check-out for your health. And thanks to our partners with the American Heart Association being able to do this with you all. I hope that we can do it again, not just wait till the next Men's Health Awareness Month. I, I think that this is really key to all of us being involved and, and being a part of the community and being a part and helping people through their, their various journeys. And I couldn't think of two better people to start this off with. Uh, Dr. Scott Metcalf, uh, as we have noted, uh, we, we've come to know you, uh, married to medicine, um, but there is so much more to this, as, as you have noted, as we see through social media with all your activities with your families. And, uh, and, and now um, I can't wait for the song to come out. <laughs> and how can people keep up with you, Dr. Scott Metcalf? Uh, typically, my tags are, are my name. So I believe on Instagram is Dr. Scott Metcalf. And uh, on Facebook, my, it's my name. And then we're at ChastainMedicine.com. Awesome. And Cliff Albright, my friend, um, I, I love your passion and the work that you and Latasha have done and created the the whole Black Voters Matter organization. But, uh, you know, I'm right there with you whenever you need me. I uh, can't wait to get out there on the road because this is so important that this time that we are in. It's so important not only to spread the word and to get voters out there, to get them registered, to get them into the voting polls, but it's also uh, important for us to maintain these friendships that that we have established here. And uh, I look forward to many, many more years of that with you and Latasha and your families. Definitely. And you, you better believe that we're going to be in Texas a good bit between now. Oh, and, yeah. And November. <laughs> so we'll, we'll be seeing you. I think there's going to be some history made in Texas this this election year. I feel that. I feel it. <laughs> I, I really do. In, in my healthy heart, I feel it, gentlemen. That's right. That's uh, right. Cliff, folks can follow me on, on – oh, I'm sorry. You no, I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you the same thing. How can people mm -hmm. follow you? On Twitter, it's um, Cliff underscore notes. That's Cliff notes. Cliff underscore notes. Um, nice. And on Instagram, it's I, I think it's Cliff Albright. Just my name, Cliff Albright. Um, and you can also follow, you know, for the the organizational. You can follow at Black Voters MTR. That's at Black Voters MTR, like matter. Um, you get all the updates on when we'll be in your state because um, we're, we're coming to your state. We're going to be in like 26 different states over the next six months. So be on the lookout for us. And have elections. I will travel, Cliff. <laughs> That's beyond right. beyond the borders of Texas, I will be there with you as well, uh, gentlemen. Uh, my love and and uh, and and please give my best to your wives. Uh, you know, I'm I'm big fans of theirs, and I appreciate your time. And I, as I said, I have such great respect for you both, and I thank you so much for your time.